I ran into several angel investors and they, they came up with the idea of, hey, you know, you are the guy with the brains from the space side. Do you want to quit your job, start an entrepreneurial adventure uh, and see how we can make money in the space industry? That was basically the pitch which I quit, on which I quit my job. Welcome to Screw It, Just Do It, the number one ranked entrepreneurship podcast for business owners, entrepreneurs, and those aspiring to be so. The aim of this show is to showcase the world's most inspiring and interesting people who've decided to screw it, just do it. We offer 20% inspiration and 80% education, giving you the tools and advice to start, grow, and scale a successful business. I'm your host, Alex Chisnell, fellow entrepreneur, podcast agency owner with a number one podcast and startup advisor to global startup generator and early stage VC, Antler. Each week, I release two episodes, a Q&A every Wednesday with one of the world's most inspiring figures, plus a solo episode every Saturday where I cover the challenges that all of us are facing as entrepreneurs. Welcome to episode 157 of Screw It, Just Do It. I'm Alex, your host, and on today's show, I welcome Cohen Janssen, co-founder of Hebear, whose miniature satellites are helping to get the world online and improve connectivity. Having launched its first nano satellites into orbit in late 2018, Hebear reports it will be providing connectivity to the 90% of the world lacking a network and at a significantly cheaper price than existing alternatives. I recently caught up with Cohen, who's based in Holland via a Skype call, to discuss how eBay's technology can bring changes to a wide array of different industries. Before I do, a massive thank you to all of you who've left reviews of the show. As I've mentioned, we're running a competition throughout August where you'll win tickets to come and join us, spend the whole day with us at this year's Entrepreneur Summit on October the 17th in Bournemouth. What you do need to do, though, is screenshot that review and then just email it, alex at screwitjustdoit.org, that's .org, or you won't be entered into the competition because I can't see who or who hasn't left a review from the usernames that you've got on iTunes. So it's as simple as scrolling down on the... Um, application that you're listening to this show on, clicking write a review, writing a review, screenshotting it, emailing it alex at screwitjustdoit.org and you'll be entered into a contest to win. Um, I'm going to probably pick two people I'm thinking. Come and join us, hang out with us for the day at Entrepreneur Summit, get to meet all the speakers, go out for some food, maybe shoot some content for this podcast and basically have a pretty awesome day with me and the team. So, this week, I'd like to say a massive thank you to the reviewer, who's used the username of guppyc-m, who says, great range of topics and interviewees. I really look forward to my commute now and the next bit of inspiration it will bring. So massive thank you if that was you who left that review. Um, and moving on to today's show. So Cohen Janssen, he says that the value of the Internet of Things Connectivity, or IoT, as you may know it as, stands at roughly $4 billion, although the total monetary impact is expected to be in the trillions of dollars. Connectivity is about 10% of the value chain, and they've already had a host of companies from agriculture, logistics, transportation, 
and environmental sectors all sign up to the network. Personally find this really, really fascinating and I hope you will do too. As I mentioned earlier, Cohen was in Amsterdam at the time of this interview. And whilst I try to conduct as many interviews as possible in person, it's not always possible. Most of the time we get a great connection and my production team do an awesome job back here in the UK. Whilst this recording isn't pitch perfect, it's definitely worth your time in listening to it. So without further ado, let's start up. So basically, uh, I'm a graduate uh, from the Delft University of Technology, um, but I found out that I was not a typical engineer. Mm -hmm. So I didn't like coding too much. Uh, I do have a skill set, though. But eventually, what I found out is that um, although pursuing a career in investment banking and eventually even strategic consultancy, which are, I think, the normal paths to go mm -hmm. if you have an engineering degree but don't want to become an engineer, uh, both those tracks were just not for me. Right. Um, so after I, I basically tried both, I ran into several angel investors and they, they came up with the idea of, hey, you know, you are the guy with the brains from the space side. Mm -hmm. Do you want to quit your job, start an entrepreneurial adventure uh, sure. and see how we can make money in the space industry? That was basically the pitch. Was it? Wow. Which I quit on which I quit my job. <laughs> did you? And how long did it take you to, um, to to think about that, to ponder about that offer then? Was, was that an instantaneous thing or did you sleep on it? Um, pretty much on the spot. So wow. uh, it was a fun situation where uh, I was doing strategic uh, consultancy back at the time while uh, one of the partners at the venture capital advisory firm was looking for someone uh, in the space industry. Mm -hmm. And I was looking like, okay, I tried investment banking. I've been at strategic consultancy. Maybe venture capital is the way to go for me. Mm -hmm. um, so he was intrigued in my background while I was intrigued in what he was doing. Yeah. So we, we met for a coffee and basically same day, I, I, I quit my job. Still didn't have a clue what I was going to do. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, okay, it sounds like a good adventure. Yeah. And, um, and how, how well did you know these guys um, who, who are now, I assume, your, your co-founders at the time? Um, not at all. Wow. So it's, uh, Powerful. it's a good friend from the partner of the consultancy firm. And uh, that, that basically gave me good enough trust that that would be a good way to go. Mm. Um, but, you know, normally you say there is a presentation at least or, or, yeah, or yeah. some kind of a plan. This was really, you know, just a coffee. We both have no clue, but there's so much going on in the space industry. We'll find something. <laughs> um, yeah, which uh, about a year later turned out to become what nowadays is called hybrid. So. Okay, I see. And, and what was the, the reaction of those closest to you, like your, your, your family and, and your friends when you said, um, yeah, ca canning the job and I'm going on this, uh, this entrepreneurial space adventure? Um, yeah, that was total, total bullock, so to say. Like, are you out of your mind? Are you crazy? <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, these are one of the things where, where I try to explain it the other way around. Um, so to give you a little bit more of a background of how we all started with this is I ran into the guys, uh, basically angel investors, venture capital advisory guys, and um, we founded kind of like a team of, of angel investors and we put a little bit of money together. 
and we start looking into space um, startups. Mm. We did that for about a year. We did a few uh, small investments in the industry. And then we said, well, we are actually entrepreneurs ourselves. Do we have the guts to start our own company? Because we see a huge opportunity mm. on the one hand, because you know the large satellites, they're not really replaced, but uh, there is a new kind of business going on with all kinds of new small satellites, mm. and they enable all kinds of new business. And on the other hand, there is Internet of Things. And um, these deployments that they have been mentioning in research papers for many years are now finally happening. Yeah. So can we come up with a solution for both of those combining it and basically saying, okay, if IoT is taking off and satellites are becoming cheaper and cheaper, we, we then found out that connectivity on Earth, like GSM, Bluetooth, Wi-Fi, all these connectivity solutions you are aware of, only connect 10% of the world if you combine all of these solutions. Wow. So, okay, so if IoT really takes off, there must be value in that other 90% of the world as well. Yeah, yeah. So that's basically how we brought those two ideas together. Okay. And, and, that, um, and, and that's where you saw the, the opportunity. Um, yeah, 90% is uh, potentially um, up, up for grabs. I mean, that, that's huge, yeah. Um, yeah, so the fun part is that um, when it comes to telecommunications market, of course, we're talking about trillions of, of dollars of market. Yeah. Uh, so we're really a niche of a niche of a niche. You yeah. know, it's IoT only, it's in remote areas, so it's really a small portion. And that's why the, the larger players are not really focused on this, but it's still, you know, a wide open, uh, no one can compete kind of new business market. Mm. And, and was it attractive as well or, or made things easier that um, your, your, your co-founders, that the venture capital guys, uh, and maybe even yourself with the investment banking, that you, you already had connections where you could potentially fund this? Because I'm, I'm assuming barriers to entry, you're going to need X amount of money to, to be able to you know, develop your side of the technology. Yeah, so I think the, uh, the lovely part here is that we started off with, several well-known entrepreneurs. So the team at Hybrid consists, or at least the founders right now, they consist of people who have founded companies like Just Eat. Okay. Um, company founded Treatwell, also well-known in the world. Yeah. And uh, the former CEO of Booking.com, which before the life of uh, Jeff Bezos is probably the best private equity investment ever done. Wow. Um, so, Together with these guys, uh, we founded a company, so we had a little bit of running money to start off with. So mm -hmm. we didn't have to get into investments right away, which makes sure that from a technical point of view, we could already have the first milestone thing off before looking for external capital. Okay. So, you know, it's still a pretty expensive hobby. <laughs> yeah. Spending stuff into space, but um, it's within reach of every regular startup, I would say. Okay, and, and when you you started out on this journey then, how, um, where did you need to invest that money to start with? Was that on the technology side of things or was that already there to a certain degree and you were just um, improving that and making it uh, more cost effective or was it in actually re recruiting people to, to help you um, build out the business? Um, yeah, so the, the good part is that um, nano satellites, small satellites in particular, uh, there's a whole ecosystem here in the Netherlands already. Right. Okay. So 
from my studies, I was in contact with a lot of the companies that make sure that we could actually build our first satellites. Mm -hmm. And on top of that, the technical uh, headquarter of the European Space Agency, for example, is located in the Netherlands. Yeah. So yeah. the times were very, very short. We could, we could basically ring up the right persons right away, which accelerated the beginning of the company uh, quite a bit. Um, but yeah, after that, it was basically uh, making sure that from a technical point of view, we knew what we were going to do. And with our first feasibility study together with the European Space Agency, we could prove on paper that it would work. Mm -hmm. But in the meantime, we already started talking to a lot of customers. Okay. So before even founding the company uh, officially, we already talked to over 100 customers, making sure that we understood the need from the market. And yeah. That really stands out compared to what we see from uh, our competitors, which mm. mainly start from a university point of view with professors technically very capable, mm. but not very well known with how to build a, a company for scale. Yeah, and if, if you're already gathering proof of demand um, to start with, that, that that's pretty impressive, especially to the degree of 100 customers. What, what kind of... Um, uh, customers has that um, led you to, to doing business with what kind of what kind of industries what kind of markets are, are, are we talking yeah so basically when we started the company we didn't really have a clue about the killer application for our business so mm. would there be one particular use case available to to really get the whole constellation of satellites up and running mm. and therefore we basically accepted anyone who was looking for connectivity that we were offering. Yeah, sure. But as we evolved as a company, we, we brought more focus to our sales team. And basically right now, we see that in the agricultural field, there is really a need for once per day that we can read our sensors, because that is basically the offering we have right now with our satellites up in space. Okay. Um, but also the logistics market and um, simple asset management, like tank monitoring, silo uh, monitoring, you know, this is the level, uh, this is the status, come fill me up, come replenish me, these kinds of simple status updates, mm. where everybody thinks you know this kind of stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. It's always locally known, but not by the owner or the decision maker who should do something with it. So that is, it's incredibly simple what we offer. Yeah. It's very easy to explain, but yeah, there's a, a tremendous amount of need for this kind of short and simple data that we can provide. And I, and I suppose, you know, one of the, the huge potential angles you've got on this is as technology develops so quickly that a lot of the opportunities that will come to you may not even exist yet or are, are not widely known. Um, you, you kind of think that, that potentially isn't a ceiling on, on the applications that, that you'll come across over the next decade or so. That's totally true. So uh, the way we describe it is we only uh, see the tip of the iceberg of all the applications that will work eventually. Yeah. And the funny thing is that, uh, say, one and a half years ago, I gave a keynote presentation on what the market looks like for IoT. Mm. And in the room, there were a lot of investment banks back in the time already, and the traditional satellite operators like Amazon, Iridium, these kinds of players. And I told them, look, we might not know what the market really looks like because this is new, this is something to be explored, and new 
applications uh, will be there all the time. But the funny part is, last month, we signed up two customers. This is one and a half years ago already. Yeah. We signed up two customers. They're both in potential have more subscriptions with us than the entire Internet of Things or M2M, machine-to-machine as it's called in satellite world, M2M subscriptions with you guys Hmm. at current state. Wow. So um, that shows that the potential is enormous. Yeah. Even now, every week, we get inbound requests with new applications that we ourselves could not even think. Hmm. That's amazing. And... At this stage, do you see competitors shooting up already, or is it pretty um, pretty flat field? I suppose is, is is the way I'm looking at it. Or, or yeah, people literally coming up more and more when you know you're getting more coverage. People are seeing what you're doing, and, and other people are looking at it and thinking they can they can do the same thing. Well, there are there are like a handful of. Uh, direct competitors, I would say. Okay. So if you talk about uh, connectivity in rural and remote areas, uh, small amounts of data uh, with low power efficiency, there are a few of those out there. Okay. Um, so there, there should be ways to protect ourselves. And, you know, there's, there's one thing, it's called the frequency application that we have. We have a priority date in front of all the other players in our frequency band which makes sure that if they want to operate on our frequency, which is very well fit for low power uh, solutions, Mm -hmm. they need to basically get approval, so to say. They need to coordinate with us to make sure they're not in the way of our operation. And they're on a global scale. So that is a tremendous barrier to entry. Yeah. But that's more um, a technicality, so to say. Mm -hmm. The other part, and that is more business-minded, is... You know, with a few million, everyone basically nowadays can send their first satellite up in space. Right. So hmm. it's not just making sure you have some infrastructure up in, in the air. It's actually making sure you have an end-to-end service working for your customer who is happy. Yeah. And that requirement is totally different from sending something up in space that technically works. Hmm. So I'm very happy to team up with people who uh, are very well known with scaling companies doing, you know, thousands, if not millions of uh, transactions per day to make, yeah, to, to basically understand how it works to build such a company. Because we are also, although it's a low amount of data, we are looking at very large volumes of yeah. sensors to be deployed in the field. So um, I think we have a unique advantage, both from the asset point of view, you know, the frequency applications, mm. but mainly as well from how to actually do business with people. And, and I'm, I'm assuming, again, one of, one of the advantages that, that you're going to have is that you're going to be pretty agile and you're going to be able to react really quickly to a, you know ever-changing market as well, surely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so what we said at the beginning of the company is there are so many verticals, and IoT is well known as a theft by a thousand verticals. Mm-hmm. We wanted to make sure that you know we can provide the connectivity layer and we let other people like system integrators build their solutions on top of the connectivity we provide. Uh-huh. That yeah. means if new applications come up, we say, hey, this is how to connect your device to our infrastructure and they are ready to go right away. Okay, okay. And and just to clarify, you've you've already launched 
some satellites, was it the end of last year or was it beginning of this year? Yeah, at the end of last year, we uh, at the end of November and beginning of December, basically. Um, the first one went up in India, so with the uh, the governmental rocket there, the PSV as it is called. Yeah. And basically, within a week, uh, our second uh, satellite went up as well with SpaceX on the west coast of uh, the United States. Oh wow! Amazing. And and how does the how does the rest of two thousand and nineteen look look for you with regards to that? Do you, do you need do you have the capability to put more or, or the volume to put more up now or is it not necessary to to do that right now those two satellites are doing the job for you yeah so a lot of people ask us so how many satellites are you going to put up in space and how much do you need before you can start your commercial service mm. people are used to constellations tons of satellites before you can do anything and the lovely part is every satellite we launch basically sees the whole earth at least once per day they wow. travel 16 times around the earth uh, per day, huh. from pole to pole, so they basically peel the Earth as an apple, oh. while the Earth rotates underneath. Nice. And yeah. that means that we are now in the final phases of commissioning. In the next few weeks, we actually have our first com- uh, customers live, and we are very excited for that moment because we can finally, from a reliability point of view, turn all the commercial service. Mm. Um, so that is step one, making sure that you know the the technical solution really works. We we have data flowing through the infrastructure already, uh, but now together with our customers, then after that we can say that we have a global service of reading out the sensor anywhere out in the open once per day. That is a great solution already, but we want to push actually towards once per hour as soon as we can. Okay. So in the next eighteen months, that means we will launch another fourteen satellites to make sure that we see every place around the Earth not only once per day, but actually uh, once per hour on a, a routine basis. Wow, okay. And, and, and what, what's the ultimate goal um, that, that you set out to achieve like, from that original um, pitch that you had from your, um, your now co-founders? How, how has that changed um, the ultimate goal where you were looking for a, a solution uh, from all the opportunities that were out there, how have you kind of honed honed that down as to what the ultimate goal is that you, you think you can achieve? Because I don't know if if it was me, I think my mind would be going so crazy as to all the opportunities that um, you could potentially use this technology for. It must be really difficult to stay grounded and and keep honed in on like one mission. Um, well, the the good thing is, I think our mission has always been to do good to the world. Yeah. And no matter how we can do that, in this case, it is connectivity, IoT connectivity in particular, mm-hmm. but we want to have a huge impact on, you know, we're not going to solve uh, world hunger, but we can enable farmers to have three or four times more food from their crops. Yeah. Now, yeah. these are the kind of impact um, that is so substantial mm. that everyone here in the company is truly on board on that vision. Yeah. And that vision will not change, no matter how many satellites, no matter how, you know, even if you offer uh, solutions without our satellites, no matter what, that vision is, is tremendously clear for everyone. Mm. The other side, though, and that is uh, more of a short-term fun fact, uh, when we look at previous discoveries or inventions from the Netherlands, we could say, there, you know, the Dutch invented Bluetooth, for example. Mm-hmm. The Dutch have invented Wi-Fi, which is also a global standard. And now, 
we are inventing Hyperband, which will be the global IoT connectivity solution by default. Mm. So that's a little bit of the aim. Yeah. But I think the vision of doing good and, and have a huge impact on the world is what really drives the people. Yeah, yeah, and 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 I think it, that you know that's something for. Um, for all the you know technology and um, how the average person might not be able to get their head around you know what what's happening past where their eyes can see you know out in space something like that anybody can can get their head around and understand um, and really connect with with your mission so I, I think that's that's fantastic. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> um, and yeah, and congratulations that um, you know you're, you're only a couple of weeks away as well from um, fr- from that from that next stage. Um, and an obvious question, I suppose, but but one of the first ones that jumped out at me is um, how can you make it accessible from um, from a cost perspective? You say that you know prices have come down and down, and like anyone could enter the market now for maybe a couple of million pounds, but. Um, was that the case when you first started getting into this a couple of years ago? If things changed so dramatically, or is it the, the business model that, that you guys are using that make it um, so cost-effective from a customer's perspective? Well, I think that um, from a small satellite industry point of view, I usually call it a community because it's still very small. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's getting out of its infancy. So about 10 years, there's a company called Planet, and it makes pictures of the Earth once per day. So they send up tons of small satellites, basically with a camera, and they make pictures. So that was the first use case from a commercial point of view with these small satellites. Mm-hmm. After that, tons of new startups went into the Earth observation or imaging uh, field. Yeah. It's followed up with uh, tracking ships and uh, basically nowadays tracking airplanes as well, which is great. But now the, the new frontier again for new space is actually getting connectivity done with small satellites as well. And that is where we are one of the uh, frontier players. Mm. Excellent. And um, what's, what are you excited about most right now? What's like t- top of your to-do list? Because I imagine it must, be, it must be packed full of things. But what's the kind of most important thing on your, on your radar right now for, for you and um, Eber? Yeah, so for the, the, the short-term goals of the company, basically, is, is making sure that we have happy customers, mm-hmm. making sure that uh, the commercial service works as expected, uh, we did a lot of final tuning to make sure we have a reliable service there. So uh, very much looking forward to that, that moment that we finally switched the company from building into an operational company. Yeah. Um, the next steps there are basically making sure our partners get online one after another. Yeah. So that we can actually uh, uh, get more customers as soon as we can. And after that is making sure that these customers will scale towards the amount of subscriptions that they have uh, intended to roll out to. Mm-hmm. So we need to learn as a company how we can scale to large volume deployments as well. Okay. And um, now you're a busy man and we've got a p- perfect time scale on um, 26 minutes to fit into a half an hour episode. <laughs> so that's really, really good timing. Um, I just wanted to ask you, so um, given we've got listeners in, like I can say, 114 countries and most of those people are going to be entrepreneurs at completely different stages of, of their business and you know, investors, if, if somebody wants to get involved or they think this technology 
um, is really applicable to their company and what they're trying to achieve? What, what's the best way that they can um, get in touch with you? Well, of course, we have our website with a contact form, which, which basically generates so much uh, inbound requests already that we can barely keep up with it. <laughs> but, yeah. um, you know, we are easily reached by phone, by email. We always try to call you back as soon as we get the email from you. Uh, we always try to reply within 24 hours. We're basically uh, still a startup early phase, so we, you know, we are there for you. Yeah. Uh, you can contact any of us directly as well via LinkedIn or whatsoever. Uh, so we're very approachable, uh, and we try to be as open as possible on where we stand as a company, how to connect with us, uh, you know, from a business perspective, but mainly also from a technical perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, opening up the APIs, making sure the technology documents are available to you. So basically, we make it as easy as possible for you to come on board and, you know, help us do good in the world for uh, all kinds of applications. That's awesome. Um, lo- love the mission. Love what you're doing. Um, it's completely new to me he- hearing a story like this, but I absolutely love it. And I think it's, it's really going to resonate um, with our audience, um, and especially, you know, the journey you've been on, you know, switching careers, a real kind of screw it, just do it moment, being able to do that. <laughs> um, so love it. It absolutely um, fits perfectly. So thank you so much for, for your time, Cohen, and um, love to keep in touch and um, wish you all the very best. Thank you so much. Pleasure to be uh, connected today. Awesome. As always, thanks for listening to this week's show. I hope you enjoyed my chat with Cohen Janssen. A couple of takeaways. Um, before I do, just again, a massive thanks to all of you who've recently left a review. And just a reminder to screenshot that review and email it to me, alex at screwitjustdoit.org, if you'd like the chance to win tickets to this year's Entrepreneur Summit 2019 in Bournemouth on October the 17th. You can, of course, buy tickets um, if you follow me on social at Alex Chisnell, you'll see links to that in pretty much all of my most recent posts. Um, and I'll also include a link in this episode as well. So a couple of things to, to take away for me. Um, I love his spirit, how Cohen got into this um, adventure, as he, he calls it. And, you know, life is one great big adventure. Um, you don't want to spend your life doing something you don't enjoy doing um, or not knowing or looking back and having any sense of regret whatsoever. Um, so I, I love that real screw it, just do it um, attitude that he had when starting this business. And hey, the sky's the limit, no pun intended. Um, niche of niche of niche, 100% agree with this. The further you can niche down um, and get more and more focused on who you can serve um, within your market, the greater the success that you will have. The importance of market validation. I see this time and again, people not putting a work in uh, when it comes to this and it needs to be done. I did it myself when launching the podcast agency a couple of weeks ago and I've been you know, building that validation up um, by doing workshops and getting people um, asking me how to start, uh, launch, grow, uh, monetize a podcast. Therefore, I decided to start my agency. It was only when I'd spoken to you know a number of people um, that I knew it was the right time to launch this. And you need to do the same. I love the fact that they'd spoken to a hundred people um, before launching eBay. And focus. You know, when starting out, 
agree, you know, accept all of the business that you can get from anybody you can get because it's all about generating revenue. But as soon as you're able to actually focus in then on exactly who your target market is, you know, the, the niche of niche again, um, getting more and more uber focused as you go, the, the greater rewards um, you surely are going to get. Thanks once again for listening this week. Um, as I said, we'd love to see as many of you as possible at this October's Entrepreneur Summit. Um, details, as always, in the links to this show or just follow me at Alex Chisnell, um, LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook or at Alexander Chisnell um, on Instagram. And you can also go to the Screw It, Just Do It page on Facebook. Thanks again. Have an awesome week. If you like this podcast and you'd like the opportunity to attend one of our live events with some of the world's leading entrepreneurs, just go to startupu.co.uk and click on the events calendar. You'll be able to see our upcoming events calendar for the UK. Pick up a ticket from as little as £10, which includes complimentary drinks and the opportunity to meet and connect with like-minded entrepreneurs, find a mentor or an investor. You'll also have the opportunity to meet our speakers and ask them your burning questions in person. Hope to see you there. If you found value in this free podcast, all I ask is that you tell somebody else about it. You don't have to leave a review or write a post on social tagging me in the screw it, just do it hashtag. But if you do, I promise to give you a shout out on a future episode and you have my eternal thanks. I'm at Alex Chisnell on LinkedIn, Twitter and Facebook, plus at Alexander Chisnell on Instagram. Alongside the screw it, just do it Facebook page. This houses the screw it, just do it community and has the most up-to-date information on all things Screw It, Just Do It, including all of our live events. I love hearing from you. If you either message me on LinkedIn or email alex at screwitjustdoit.org, I promise to reply. Just give me a little time. This show is brought to you by RocketSpark, who make it easy for anyone to build a great-looking website. Each month, RocketSpark offer one lucky listener the opportunity to get a website absolutely free for the next six months to do some in-market testing of a new idea. Just go to rocketspark.com slash screwitjustdoit to enter.